we are going. We have just ended last week four weeks of looking at the blood of Jesus, and I hope it's changing you. If if you begin to apply the word of God and to apply the word of the blood of Jesus to your life, it will change you. It will change you. You cannot be involved with God and Him not change you. If you're not changing, then we're just playing a little religious game. And you know, I'm not trying to be hard because I have been there too. I have been there a lot. And it's easy to play the game and feel like you're doing right, but nothing changed. If we're not changing, if we're not growing, then we're missing it somewhere. And I want you to know by applying the word, applying the blood of Jesus to your life will produce. It will produce. Amen. Amen. All the time. So we're, we're going we're gonna to take this same thread of the blood and we're going to turn it right to the cross. And I have a, pro, I have a, I have a plan. The Lord's still trying to deal, deal with me on it, on the timing. But uh, this is to lead us to Easter Sunday. And Elizabeth and her outreach team are looking very hard at how to invite the lost into the church. And uh, on Easter Sunday, people that normally will not go to church will go on Easter Sunday. It is a time that people will go. They'll go out of obligation to their family. They'll go out of feeling like it's their one time to maybe get it right. Who cares why they go? We need to get them in here and we need to get them uh, to experience God and to receive Jesus Christ. And that's part of our job. We're supposed to fish. We do the fishing. So I want you right now to start praying and start asking the Lord to lead you how to fish. Because people will respond to you on Easter Sunday. They'll respond to you at Christmas. But we're going to try to take a look. We've been looking at, is the blood of Jesus relevant today? And I believe we've all seen that, yes, it is. Well, is the cross relevant? And I think we can all answer, well, if the blood of Jesus is relevant, well, the cross is. But let's just go down this road for a few weeks talking about the cross as we are on this journey to Easter Sunday. Jesus Christ has given an invitation that extends to the whole human race. You know, you may say, Pastor, what are you doing preparing us for a month for Easter? You know, at the national championship, they go off a month in football to prepare for that one big game. Right? We don't get to see any college football for about a month from the whole, the whole month of December. It starts toward the end of December. Let us prepare ourselves and let's go out and do something. Let's go bring one person in. Maybe they don't stay in our church. Maybe they just get saved. It's good enough. Maybe they don't even get saved, but a seed gets planted in them. You have done your part to bring them in, and then it's God's part. We can't save them, right? We're not, this, we're not the Savior. Jesus Christ is, but we lead them to the Savior. And this whole journey here is to help prepare you to lead the people that you know to the cross. I had to be led to the cross at five years old. My mom and dad led me right there. And then followed up with me and loved me and showed me how to, how to live it. And that's what we're after. Lead me to the cross. It says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you are, who are weary and burdened, 
and I will give you rest. You work around people every day that are weary and burdened. Now, I want to encourage you too. I hope that through the blood of Jesus, you learned something new. Even if you've been coming to church your whole life and you're a veteran and you're seasoned, that you got something. The same thing will happen here. This is not all going to be stuff that, that you, you know what, it's like, oh man, I've heard this, please move on. No, you're going to get something. How many knows that when you sit under the word of God, you should receive? No matter if you've heard it a thousand times, the Lord will speak to you. No matter how, what your burden or special problem that you may have, God has the answer. Come to me, all who are hurting, and I will give you rest. There's only one place that you can find this rest. And that is at the cross where Jesus died. And it is through the cross and the cross alone that you, you are supplied, you are given all the supply of need that you would ever have. The answer to your problem and the release from your burden. The entire gospel message revolves around this one historical event. And that's the cross. The sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Hebrews ten fourteen says, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You know, that's us. You know what this says? That those who have received should be changing. Do you see that? For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. He has perfected forever. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Being sanctified. We are being changed. We are being set apart. We are changing into his image or trying. Right? Two powerful expressions here is the word perfected and forever. Perfected and forever. Together, they depict a sacrifice that comprehends every need of the entire human race. And this effect, the effects of this extends throughout all time and into all eternity. Being perfected forever. It's on the basis that Paul writes this, in Philippians chapter 4, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Jesus Christ. Have you come in here in need? I would tend to answer yes. We all come in here in need. Well, this is the place for the needy. The cross of Jesus Christ is the is the place for the needy. That doesn't mean just the people that are absolutely torn and in the pig pen and at their wits end. It's for you and me at whatever stage that we're at, whatever need that we have. He shall supply all my needs according to his riches, not according to the world's riches, not according to the way that we measure things here on this earth, but according, according to the way he measures. You remember how he measures? exceedingly abundantly more than we could think or ask let's let him do the measuring all i know is that god blesses me more than great greater than any man or thing on this earth could bless me my god shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by christ jesus this should be a well i don't want to always tell you what you your all-star verses should be this is one of my all-star verses 
because I have needs regularly. You know what's good about a need? Is if we knew how to handle the need, we would know where to turn. If somehow in our life we could connect need to God, think of how often we would go to God. That, that, that ministers to somebody. All your needs covers every area of your life. It covers your body. It covers your soul. It covers your mind. It covers your emotions. And it even covers your material and physical and financial needs. Nothing is so large or so small that is excluded from God's provision. Nothing. We don't come to the cross and God say, you know what? I'm going to supply everything you need except that nasty thing. That wart right there on your nose. I turned 40 yesterday and I got a real nice zit to, to show it. Now you think you hit an age and, you know, when, when does it stop? You know, God, you're funny. And I go to the cross of Jesus Christ and it's like, eh, it doesn't include that. But everything else I'll take care of. Not, no. All my needs. All my needs. Everybody's looking now. You know what? When you come to the Lord, you come warts and all. The Lord says, I created you. You think that bothers me? It doesn't bother me. That doesn't bother me. Some little zit. It'll go away. Just give it time. Keep your wife away from it. It'll go away. She says it won't, but somehow it does. Amen, kids? <laughs> Sorry, it's probably embarrassing. Sorry. Me. My God shall supply all my needs. Everybody say all my needs. Every area. Every area. By a single sovereign act, God brought together all the need and the suffering of humanity into one climactic moment of time. God has not provided many different solutions and multiple uh for the multiple problems of mankind, it's not that you have to go to this thing to get this. You have to go and do this. You have to do this. No, he has supplied one thing. It's the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ at the cross. We may have come from many different backgrounds. Each of us burdened with our own special need. You know, everybody's gone through something different. You come up here for prayer and many times, you know, I can relate some. Sometimes I can't relate at all. Doesn't matter. It's covered. Whether or not I can relate doesn't matter. God relates. Jesus Christ relates. He's been tempted in every way we could ever be tempted. And then some. He's given in every way that we could give. And then some. When you come to the cross, you find full provision. You know what else you find? You find understanding. Do you realize that? We're not just coming to a non-understanding God. He understands. This is completely off topic. But it's not that he just understands. But he sympathizes. And he's merciful. And he's full of grace. It may be just the opposite of any authority figure you've ever had in your life. That number one doesn't understand. 
Number two, doesn't care. Number three, doesn't care about the results. Did I get my numbers wrong? Did I say three twice? Anyway, he cares. He listens. He responds. He loves. He knows. He hurts. You know, Jesus was moved with compassion. He's moved by what you may have to offer, by what problems that you may bring. Do you see that there's no rejection at the cross? We don't respond because of rejection. We don't respond because we feel like, we don't respond because we feel like it's not going to be received or it's not good enough. There's no rejection at the cross. There's only acceptance. The provision given at the cross was for what you would normally be rejected for. There's no reason not to come. There's no reason. You know, Isaiah gave a a, a complete um, account of what was to be accomplished at the cross 700 years before it was ever to happen. And in Isaiah 53, verse 10, the prophet says that that it shows a righteous servant whose soul was to be offered to God as a sin offering. And all the, uh, the writers of the New Testament are unanimous in identifying this unnamed servant 700 years before the cross as Jesus. And the purpose accomplished by his sacrifice is summed up right here in Isaiah chapter 53. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Here's the basic universal problem of humanity. We all have turned. All we like sheep have gone astray. We all have turned each of us to our own way. You know, there are so many sins that maybe we have not committed, such as murder or adultery or theft and so on. But the one thing we all have in common is we have all turned our own way. At some point. Scripture shows us. In doing so, we turn our backs on God. The Hebrew word that best describes this is called avon. Here translated, this avon word is translated iniquity. Maybe the closest English word for us, the translation of that word would be rebellion. Not against man, but against God. However, no English word, either iniquity or or rebellion, can show us the true full meaning of this word avon. In its biblical use, avon not just describes iniquity, but it also describes, or it also, but also the word punishment or the evil consequences that iniquity brings in its wake. We see iniquity, and if we try to translate it, we see it as rebellion. But it means so much more, not just the rebellion or turning, but also the punishment and the consequences that it comes with. 
Let's look at Genesis chapter 14, chapter 4, verse 13. After God had pronounced judgment on Cain for the murder of his brother, what did Cain say? Cain said, my punishment is greater than I can bear. This same word punishment is Avon. It covered not just Cain's iniquity, but also the punishment it brought on him. Please don't let this this, uh, Greek English lesson go over you because when we see that he died for the sins of the world, not just the sins, but for the punishment that went with the sin. Can you see it's far greater? It would be good enough if he paid the price for my sin, but I still had some consequences to go with, but I would still get to heaven. That's not so. In heaven, he also paid for the consequence. The consequence ultimately was death. In Leviticus 16.22, it shows about the releasing the scapegoat on the day of atonement. Look at what the Lord says here. Leviticus 16. The goat shall bear on itself all their avon or iniquities to an uninhabited land. The symbolism, the goat bore not just the iniquities of Israel, but the consequences of their iniquities. And we talk about how our sins are removed as far as the east is to the west. Do you see even in the imagery that the Lord gave us before his before the new covenant, the goat was sent off never to be seen again. And what the goat took with him was the sin. And the consequences. God's ways haven't changed. They have just improved. It's the new covenant. It's not the old covenant that's based on a goat. The blood, the blood of bulls and goats, the bloods of the, of the, un, the spotless lamb. But we have been given Jesus Christ's blood that is perfect. This applies to the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Jesus himself was not guilty of any sin. In Isaiah chapter 53 verse 9, it says, He had done no violence. Nor was any deceit in his mouth. But verse 6, we go back to verse 6. It says, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or the avon of us all. Jesus wasn't just identifying with our iniquity or our sin. He also endured all the evil consequences of that iniquity. And like that scapegoat that came before him, he carried them away so that they would never return again upon us. This is the true meaning of the cross. Can you see that as even as going to church every single Sunday and on Wednesday and doing all the things that we can lose focus of what the cross really provides for us? It's so much more than just our salvation. And there's not the veil that stops us from coming to the presence of the Lord anymore. We can come to the cross and come to the throne of God at any time. Because of what happened at the cross. And we don't have to wait for someone else at the end of the year to help us with our sin. We can come now. Can I give you another little piece of advice? You don't have to come to church to repent. I would encourage you repent before you come into church. It'll make your church experience better. It'll make your week better. 
Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is here. Repent. Do it at home. Do it in your car. Do it at work. Say it out of your mouth. Lord, I have done this. Forgive me. And I turn. And then you got to turn. And then you know what? When you come into a worship experience like we have here at Church on the Hill, it will take on all new meaning. You won't be sitting here under conviction. You know, the Lord doesn't bring guilt on you. He brings conviction. Why? Because He wants rid of that sin so you can really experience Him. You've come in here with hindrances in your life. What is it? It's sin that needs to be cleaned up so that God can work. On the cross, a divinely ordained exchange took place. First, Jesus endured in our place that all the evil consequences that were due to us and justly were they due to us, did he take. And now in exchange, God offers us all the good that was due to Jesus's sinless obedience. All that was due to the one that could, that was perfect, that, that was in line to receive it all because he walked it the way God wanted it walked. We are able to have what he deserves and he took what we deserve. Can you, can you feel, can you feel heaven and earth colliding this morning? Heaven and earth are colliding. And, and, and a breakthrough is wanting to happen in you today to help put these pieces together as basic and as much as we've been taught on the cross. The Lord wants to equip you to understand the cross in a way that the world might receive it. There's no rejection at the cross. There's no condemnation. There's no guilt. There's freedom. There's no depression at the cross. And this all comes out of the unfathomable grace of God. And you know what? It's received solely by faith. There's no logical explanations in terms of cause and effect. None of us has ever done enough to deserve such an offer. And none of us could ever do enough to earn it. Scripture reveals many different aspects of this exchange at the, clo- at the cross and many areas in which it applies. But let's look at this one. This is where we're going to start. We're going to look at, at two for just a moment. But the cross, the evil came upon Jesus that the corresponding good might be offered to us. I'm going to be looking at uh, five or six aspects of the exchange at the cross that was revealed in Isaiah chapter 53 and so on. And the The first two comes out of this scripture right here, and then I'm going to close. It says, surely he was born our griefs. You know what that means? That literally means sicknesses. Surely he was born, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Literally, that means pains. He has taken, he has taken our sicknesses. He has taken our pains. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. 
He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or punishment for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes or by his wounds, we are healed. Another all-star verse, Isaiah 53, 5. It covers everything, every problem I have. It covers my sicknesses, it covers my pains, it covers my sins, it covers my punishment, and it covers my healing. Two truths are showing here. One is spiritual, one is physical. On the spiritual side, Jesus received the punishment due to our transgressions and iniquities or our sins. That we in turn might be forgiven and so have peace with God. On the physical side, he took our sicknesses and our pains that we through his wounds might be healed. The physical application of these two passages of the New Testament are, are confirmed in two passages in the New Testament. Uh, Matthew eight sixteen says, Jesus healed all who were sick. How many were sick? All that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. But to apply this also to our physical, the apostle refers back to Isaiah 53 in first Peter chapter two, verse 24. And he says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sin might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. The two, the twofold exchange that came from the cross that we see today out of these scriptures is number one, Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. And Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. We're going to be seeing in the next few weeks all the provision of the cross. We're going to be seeing all the provision of the cross. We have seen the provision of the blood. We're going to be looking at the provision of the cross. And as Elizabeth comes up here to share, I encourage you to allow revelation to sink into you about the cross. And I can feel it happening. I can feel in the spirit, heaven and earth colliding. And there being a battle right now. There being a battle between heaven and earth, between flesh and spirit, between God and demonic activity that God is trying to get in here and Satan is trying to prevent it. And we're going through. Amen. Amen. Well, the invitation is there. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And I feel like there's a real invitation here this morning. And I feel like Jesus is beckoning us to come. And, you know, yesterday, uh, Ruth Ann, our, our middle daughter, she had had two really big nights. She had spent the night with, been to a slumber party the night before, spent the night with a friend. And so she hadn't been home all day uh, for, you know, a couple days. And um, yesterday evening, we had to go to Manchester for a ball game. And so, of course, we drag her along. And I noticed she was so tired. Her allergies were acting up. You know, we had her outside at a baseball game. And everything was working against her. And I, and I think that it's a real illustration. You know, I think sometimes we as Christians feel like, gosh, everything is just getting me. And I could see it in her. You know, because it's close to midnight. 
by the time we got the kids in the bed and we're driving home and she's sneezing and her eyes are itchy. And, and then to top it all off, you get home and we may, I made her take a shower to wash the pollen off before she got in her bed, you know, and then I'm clearing out her nose and, you know, you know, all the things that need to happen to clear this allergen out of there. Well, you know what, what I noticed is, you know, in this scripture, come to me, Jesus is beckoning us, come and I'll give you rest. And you know, when I finally got her to her bed to rest, you know, and I, and I think there may be so many things in your life. So many things are running through your mind. Yeah, but our finances are a disaster. Yeah, but, you know, mom is sick or one of the kids are sick or, you know, what's playing over in your mind? Or, Lord, I've got this sin. You know, you know what I've been into. And, and how, how do I get, how, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with this relationship? And I want you to know that he's just standing here. I just feel Jesus just standing here just saying, come. Come, because there's rest for your soul. There's rest for your soul today. And so I just want to encourage you right now, if you'll just bow your head and let's just nobody look around and just answer the call of come. Just answer the call of come. Just come, come, come to the Lord. Come to the cross this morning. And I just encourage you to lay down anything that you're struggling with. Anything that's on your mind or on your heart, just lay it at the foot of the cross this morning. Come, come to the cross. Jesus is beckoning you. Come, come. Now, if this is touching your heart this morning with all your heads bowed and all your eyes closed, I'd like for you to just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. If you're coming this morning, thank you. I see your hands this morning. Thank you, Lord. We're coming to you, Lord. We're coming, Lord, and we're laying everything we've got down at your cross. Oh, everything down at your cross this morning. We're laying it down this morning and say, have your way. Have your way, Lord. Have your way in our life. Have your way. Have your way in all these situations. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood that cleanses us from all iniquities. Thank you, Lord, that we can lay it at the foot of your cross. And, Lord God, we don't have to pick it up again. Oh, thank you, Lord, that we find rest for our souls. We find rest just like when we curl up in our bed for a good night's sleep, Lord. We curl up under you, Lord, at the foot of the cross. And we rest in you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're taking everything we've got, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you give us beauty for ashes, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I encourage you, if you need help, if you need agreement in prayer, come forward this morning. Let's stand up. And we'll pray. Go ahead. Those that are ministering, come on forward as we sing. If you need breakthrough, if you need somebody to believe with you according to God's word, step out this morning and let us pray with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.